0: Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome on into the show. It is Friday. I'm Charlie Arnold. We are so excited to be here. You know, this is our favorite day of the week. And not to mention, we've got someone very special joining the show today. This guy is ultra hard to track down. Like, you have to contact his people who then contact their people who contact some other people (laughs) in order for us to reach this man right here. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Outkick founder Clay Travis.
1: Yes, I'm happy to be here. Like I I said, March Madness officially here.
0: I cannot believe it's already March. And actually, we were just talking beforehand, and it completely escaped me that we just experienced a leap year.
1: Yeah, it's uh, four years ago. I I just remember it because uh, I went out with a group of friends, the same group that we went out with four years ago. We agreed we would do this. But uh, four years ago, 2020 leap year. You would see each other
0: every leap year? Is that it?
1: Yes, that's correct. Uh, So we went uh, out (laughs) in leap year 2020. Now we've made it two years, uh, two years or two leap years in a row. And last time in 2020, it was right on the edge of everything completely getting shut down. Uh, So I hope that this year Uh, uh, with the leap year, we don't end up with the chaos and the craziness and the insanity that we did uh, four years ago with the leap year.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. Um, although if everyone just wanted just for the sake of it to say, you know, we're going to shut everything down for a couple of months. Everything's fine. Don't worry. There won't be so much insanity. We're just going to give all of you a break. I'm not sure I would have so much of an issue with that.
1: My middle son said that the COVID year was his favorite year ever because school got shut down and mom and dad were home all the time and he got to play video games. And uh, he said, in his opinion, I think if you asked him still to this day, he's 13 now the best year of his life was 2020, the COVID year. Because again, you remember when you're a kid, if you get one snow day, it's like the greatest day ever. Uh, he got, uh, I guess it was all of third grade shut down. So uh, so he did not uh, have any issues with that at all.
0: I cannot even put myself in the shoes of those that had to go to Zoom school. Uh, I just... I can't imagine yeah. that knowing what I was like back then. I mean, I was still a good student, but i no chance you would take that seriously. I mean, all of the different pranks you could pull and excuses you could give for as to why you didn't make it to Zoom school. Probably endless.
1: Yeah. And, and the fact that it lasted for, unfortunately, two school years <laughs> for a lot yeah. of people. I mean, we were back ready and rolling in August of 2020. My kids are back in school, thankfully uh all over uh you know the 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 place here in my area, all the schools open. But I mean I know in New York City or Chicago or LA, um it, it was a, a absolute joke. People didn't go back until what, the spring of twenty two in some places, which is crazy to think about.
0: Yeah, well don't forget also just a few weeks ago, there were students here at a school in New York City that weren't allowed to physically attend school and they had to go back to Zoom school because they were using the school to house illegal immigrants. So, uh, still the insanity exists, not to the, not in the same length of time, but the insanity still exists. And Clay, actually, you raised a really good point on your, on your, I keep wanting to call it Twitter. I think we're all just stuck with, with the idea of calling it Twitter for the rest of our lives. But on your X timeline, you posted Mitch McConnell stepping down at 82, Finally, I wish we had an upper age limit for politicians instead of lower age limits. Joe Biden couldn't do any job in America right now, not even a Walmart greeter, which, as we know, that takes like little to no skill. Uh, God bless those people, though. I love them to death. And then you also put up a poll asking people if there should be an age limit on president. The overwhelming response was yes.
1: Yeah, look, we have, have, uh, I believe you have to be, be. yeah, 26 is the age to be a House of Representatives member, a congressman, 30 to be a senator, I believe I'm correct in all this, 35 to be president of the United States. Those are minimum ages. And I think most people, as you showed, 90% of people would prefer, honestly, instead of a lower end age limit, that we have an upper end age limit. And I mean, my thought in general, and I've talked about this for a while, is if they won't allow you to fly a airplane or if many companies have mandatory ages at which you are no longer allowed to be their CEO or or have a position of prominence, uh, I, I honestly wish our president had to be between, I don't know, at the time of the first election, 35 and 65 i read an article recently i believe it was in the wall street journal that said in general and i know there's exceptions people have different ages uh for physical ability and mental ability so everyone's not the same some 90 year olds are sharper than some 40 year olds i mean that is i i think a reality but they they did an interesting uh, deep dive on data And they said in general, if you combine age with wisdom, because there is wisdom that comes Mm -hmm. with experience, you learn how to work your way through things. Most people, again, the average age at which most people's decision-making peaks is 57. So at 57 years old, if that's the peak, personally, I'd rather have a president in his 40s, 50s, maybe early 60s than I would uh, potentially 82 year old joe biden getting re-elected and god forbid being able to be president until he's 86.
0: yeah i'm totally with you there the the idea of 57 being the peak is interesting to me i would be curious to know why exactly it's 57 but it also raises the question because a lot of people would say well if you're going to pass this ageist judgment on joe biden shouldn't you be able to say to do that with president trump and the answer probably is yes although when you look at the two side by side and hear them speak and what they're able to do i mean it is worlds of difference so i would also suggest the idea of cognitive testing and i know that they quote have done that for joe biden said oh he's totally fit and able uh we know that these doctors that they're using are bought and paid for they're not actually displaying or portraying the truth probably for the test results that they get and i mean Frankly, we don't even need a test when it comes to Joe Biden. We just listen to him go off prompter for two seconds and we see the devastation that occurs. Uh, But what about the idea? I mean, I don't even know how it would work. How would you get a doctor that is completely non biased to give testing and show the public whether or not before they even run, of course? Uh, If you are at a certain age limit and you want to run for president, this testing has to be done beforehand, perhaps.
1: Uh, Well, one, I I think you hit on it. The campaign itself is a cognitive test because ultimately all people are arguing is, hey, I need to be in charge of making the most important decisions in the United States. I'm holding myself out as an expert in judgment. And I don't think we need a cognitive test to know that Joe Biden has got a cognitive decline. (coughs) I mean, you can just play Joe Biden in 2020 answering questions and engaging in public uh, repartee, however you want to phrase it, and compare it to 2023, 2024, and there has been a massive slip even since he was uh, running for president in 2020. And look, I think you can also see it by the way they limit his overall interactions in general with the press. I mean, he chose not to do a Super Bowl interview Instead, he went and did Seth Meyers' show, which almost no one watches. Uh, They had him do a press availability for a couple of minutes while he was eating an ice cream cone. Uh, They try to the best of their ability to keep him from being able to be quizzed by anyone. Look, we did in November, I went down with the Clay and Buck show and we did a straight hour with President Trump. He came right in off the golf course, sat down with us, did an hour straight uh, of the show. No prep. Nobody there saying, yeah, I need to ask this. We'd prefer you ask that. None of it. And he killed it. Joe Biden, I think if he did an hour on my Clay and Buck radio show, I think everybody that listened to it, one, I don't think he could complete the hour. Two, I think everybody that listened to it would say, this guy's done. We need to put in place the 25th Amendment.
0: Yeah, I would say you're absolutely right. It's it's interesting. You know, you know they have him do press when he's eating an ice cream cone. They put him on Seth Meyers. They constantly want to put him in these very lighthearted situations so that the public then says, oh, look at that sweet man. He would never do anything to harm the country. You know, kind of like they want to portray him as your sweet grandfather, right? Someone that you can look up to, you can trust. Uh, They're constantly putting him in these situations so he can be portrayed like that. Uh, When meanwhile, if he was to be put in these hard-hitting situations, they know that it would just be um, an absolute joke. Uh, Something else, Clay, that is a joke is the media's portrayal of the Lake and Riley murder. Uh, The way that they are running interference For the government and the flawed policies of illegal immigration and even taking it a step further. And I was actually surprised to see this from The New York Post, because generally speaking, they seem to have a bit more sensibility than other news outlets. But they just put out an article. uh, It was yesterday that it says nursing student Lakin Riley tried to call 911 before deadly encounter with migrant semicolon cops. So this is all according to the cops uh, testimony. Uh, They went on to say he didn't know what he was in for. This is Jose Ibarra, the illegal immigrant suspect. And I suspect she probably fought back, said Lang, a criminal profiler not involved in the case. He's not a very big fellow and he may have been overwhelmed by her size and her strengths and tenacity to fight back, which when I read, I was like, oh, my goodness. Now we're getting to the point where the media is actually standing up for the crime that took place in a sense to say, you know, maybe because she fought back, she asked to be murdered. I mean, that's how I interpret it. I, it's just the way that this is being portrayed every single day as it goes forward is blowing my mind.
1: Well, look, there a crime is awful, and there certainly is the case that there is far too much violent crime in the United States. I don't think anybody out there listening or watching us would disagree with that idea. The the difference here with the Lake and Riley case, and unfortunately with thousands and thousands of victims all over the country, is when you're a victim of a uh, violent act, a crime from an illegal immigrant, that should never happen. There should be a 0% chance of that occurring. And so uh, it may be true that the 8 million illegal immigrants coming into this country, although I would dispute that because a lot of them, most of them are young men who tend to be the perpetrators of violent crime. It may be the case, this is the argument they want to make, that illegal immigrants commit crimes at a lower rate than the overall crime rate that exists in America today. The difference is the illegal immigrant crime rate should be, Charlie, zero. So if I were a parent here mm-hmm. of Lake and Riley, uh, I would not be able to sleep uh, at night, certainly because of this crime. But the idea that the president of the United States and who we selected may well have determined whether my daughter lived or died. And I do think it's true that yes. if Trump were president, she would be alive. Statistically, it would probably be uh, maybe one eighth of the illegal immigrants that have come across the country. The odds of this guy ever coming in are actually low. And so I think Lake and Riley would still be alive if Donald Trump was president. Um, and uh, the fact that anybody in the media is uh, is is trying to provide any sort of cover at all for this guy or not giving us the full facts or that the mayor of Athens, as I'm sure you saw on Wednesday, tried to argue uh, oh that Donald Trump was somehow to to blame for this is, I think, just a dereliction of media duty. Um, and uh, I feel bad for Lake and Riley. I think that story has in many ways crystallized our failures on the border. Problem is, she's not going to be the last victim. Uh, every major state. Uh, every major city, there's going to be a victim like Lake and Riley all over this country.
0: Yeah, and one of them's name is Kayla Hamilton. She was just short of 20 years old when her life was taken by an illegal immigrant. She just had her mother on the show earlier this week who testified before Congress at the beginning of this year. Still hasn't heard one word from our president about it. He has never mentioned her name, just like he's never mentioned Lake and Riley's name at this point. Uh, it's it's all it's all very insane. Um, but it's interesting because yesterday, both uh, presidential candidates or not quite yet, but, you know, what what will be um, our candidates are, went down to the border. And I I threw out the idea that maybe, you know, they should just hash it out right then and there. And maybe we should send Joe Biden on his way the other way across the border and not let him come back in. Uh, that would seem to make sense to me.
2: <laughs> uh, but it got me thinking
0: about a greater story of, you know, the idea of dueling and fighting and, you know, men just being men and able to, and being able to hash it out. Uh, recently, we've heard Oscar De La Hoya call out Dana White, says he wants to fight him. Uh, we've heard that Tyreek Hill wants to fight Jake Paul. And he actually hopes to speak with Dana White. This is Tyreek Hill about making that combat sports crossover, which... Listen, if you want a job in the NFL still, I'm not sure how that will ever fly with the NFLPA. Don't think that's ever going to happen. But of course, Tyreek Hill, he's a guy who's building his brand. He wants to build up the publicity. He knows the money that comes along with fighting Jake Paul. And Jake Paul actually just tweeted back. At Tyreek Hill, saying all these guys yap yap yap. Tyreek, you would get mauled in the ring by me. Lion kills a cheetah every time in a small small space, nowhere to run. Come on, brother. Uh, Niraj, brave for coming to PR all the way from India, but you're too small, brother. One hand is all I need. And then he called out someone else, Tommy Fury. You've been running for a year now. I'm ready anytime. Offered you eight figures. You and Daddy think it's worth more. Okay, bring me the money. So. Here we go, Jake Paul addressing everybody that wants to fight him. But, Clay, you have so many things that you've said, so many people that come for you on a daily basis. I want to know, if you had the chance to duke it out with someone, It you know, physically, even if it could just be with words, but no holds barred, go at each other for five minutes, let's say, who would you want to be inside the ring with?
1: Whoever I could make the most money fighting. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a capitalist. <laughs> uh, there's nobody that I'm so angry at that I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've got to be able to throw a punch at this person. I, you know, I. it's funny, um, maybe one of the rich guy things that I do is uh, I box three days a week. So uh, I do uh, nine uh-huh. rounds, um, uh, two, yeah. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um so uh, I enjoy putting on uh, boxing gloves and uh, and boxing, you know, it's funny Charlie, you've met my wife, I think uh, Laura. Uh, Laura yeah. actually fought in a professional fight uh, when she was a Titans cheerleader, uh, which uh, so she has a professional record of one and zero. was actually after she was a Titans cheerleader, uh, so sorry. she has a professional record of one and zero. Yeah, she fought another woman um, in a in an organized boxing match. She started training boxing before I did. She actually got me into it. Uh, you know, she weighs 105 or 110 pounds. But after she won the first fight, this was before we had kids, uh, I told her she was too pretty. I was throwing in the towel. I wasn't going to let her uh, get uh, get injured from yeah. another fight. But, yeah, she has a 1-0 uh, record. But I would fight whoever I could make the most money from. And the downside on this, and I've talked about this before, is I make money off my brain working well. You would have to pay me a massive amount of money For me to let someone hit me in the head, because if my brain starts, uh, stops working, I don't want to go full Joe Biden and not be able to make a living for the next 10, 15 or 20 years uh, to take care of my family. But in general, I would get in a ring for the most money you would need to pay me. I don't know, 20 or 30 million dollars to even think about it.
0: I feel like Mark Cuban could be a candidate, though.
1: There's a lot of people, Charlie, that I would love to debate I would love to debate Mark Cuban. I've challenged him before on a variety of different subjects. I would love to go on with the, the ladies of The View. Uh, I would. There are many people out there that I, I would go on with Rachel Maddow. Uh, there are a bunch of people at MSNBC, CNN, that I think a head-to-head debate would actually be clarifying. Fauci. Um, there are many people that I would love to debate uh, on the issue straight up One moderator, uh, no commercial breaks, straight go, you know, a couple of hours. You don't know the topics in advance. They ask you the questions. So I would love to do that. Way rather debate people than fight them. And I think Mark Cuban is 65. I don't even think that would be a fair fight, honestly. I've got him by 20 years. Um, I think I'd wreck him.
0: I don't think he would ever admit that, though. I don't think he would ever admit that he would fall physically or mentally, uh, verbally to you uh, that just doesn't... Well, seem he, like runs he, he runs
1: and hides. He runs and hides. I mean, I, I, I'm not yeah. i am not someone who would... I, I've been willing to do debates with people on subjects all the time. Um, it's never been me that's like, oh, my goodness, I'm terrified of what somebody's going to say. I'll own what I say and what my opinions are. Yes. And frankly, and always, as you know, humbly... I think I could make the other side's argument better than they can make their own argument, right? So it's not just that I'm mm-hmm. better on my side. I think I would be better making Mark Cuban's arguments than Mark Cuban would. Um, but anytime, any place, anywhere, for sure.
0: Well, we just heard Mark Cuban recently talking about how X is just a complete cesspool. He actually, I think they referred to it specifically as a shithole, And uh, just talked about how there's still some places that exist with common sense. And I believe that they used Instagram and TikTok as those places (laughs) that exist with common sense still. Because, of course, those are the places that suppress conservative thought. Uh, It's just, listen, I actually, it's hard for me because I used to really like Mark Cuban. I love him on Shark Tank. I just love like the whole entrepreneurial idea. I think he's very intelligent in that space. He graduated from Indiana University, so he's, you know, among the same uh, alma mater as my father. So I just kind of felt a little bit of a kinship towards him uh, from that regard. But then once he just started coming out of his shell and exposing himself for being, well, unfortunately, an absolute lunatic, I've been forced to change my mind a little bit about him.
1: I think Twitter's been bad for him. Um, because I, I also think probably aging has not been good for him. I think he's past his prime uh, intellectually. And also, sometimes you get fat and lazy when you uh, get super yeah. rich <laughs> yeah. because you're surrounded by people who <laughs> tell you that you're brilliant all the time and they caress you uh, in terms of trying to make the world easier for you. Yes. And so. It feels, I I think what you're seeing with him is his ideas aren't challenged in the same way. Uh, Usually you become a billionaire because you're a rebel in some way. That is, if you create the money yourself, uh, it's very rare that you're uh, not in some way challenging the paradigm, the status quo. That's how you unlock value. And Mark Cuban, I think, did that 20-some-odd years ago. And I was a big fan of him when he bought the Dallas Mavericks. The way that he ran that franchise, I thought that uh, that he was invigorating for the, uh, for the NBA and for pro sports in general. And uh, I just think he's become a lot like, I think you can draw an analogy, Howard Stern. I think they've become shells yes. of the men that they used to be And uh, and and the versions of themselves today would have been hated by the versions of themselves 20, 25, 30 years ago. uh, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt.
0: That's a really, really great way of putting it. And you talk about once you get rich, you get fat, you get lazy, things go astray. One man who that has not occurred with is Tom Brady, of course. He's gotten very rich. Yeah. He, he, he looks more yeah. and more fantastic as the days go by. I actually was able to talk to him one-on-one at the Fanatics party at, at Super Bowl this year. And it was a very short conversation, but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to Tom Brady. It was just a cool moment. Um, but obviously, him and, you know, and I, he wasn't hitting on me, everybody. Don't worry. He was not hitting on me. It was not a flirtatious conversation. He is not looking to move on from Giselle with me. But fact is, Clay, they have moved on from each other. And now there's some more articles coming out, some more information from sources saying, because now we all know that Giselle is dating her trainer, who she's been working with for years now, that there was possibly something going on, or there was actually one source that said there was something going on even before the divorce occurred. Uh, so it got, some, got me thinking about breakups and how much time needs to pass before moving on. So I went outside, I hit the streets in New York to get the lowdown and see what people really thought about the art of breaking up. So on the heels of Tom Brady and Giselle calling it quits and now there's rumors swirling about how much time did she actually wait before moving on? I decided that I needed to ask New Yorkers what they thought was an acceptable length before moving on to the next. A year. Why a year? So you can just like have fun by yourself and like, I don't know, if you've been doing it for a long time, have some fun. Ready to party!
2: Probably like about six months. Three three months to cry. <laughs> and another three months just to like, um, you know, start going back out dating and looking for other things. Hey, how you doing? Three months. I don't think you need a whole year, but it depends obviously.
0: But I think it's good to just kind of move on, forget about it. I shouldn't wait at all, actually. Okay, so you're th- you're saying once it's over, it's over, and on to the, on to the next one.
1: Uh, I'ma I'm, I'm have to, yeah, if it, if it get like that. I just don't
0: want anything to do with you ever again in my entire life. And what about ways to break up or get broken up with? What's acceptable and what's not?
2: With me, I just text them. I'm out of there.
0: <laughs> text breakups, yay or nay? I say nay, but obviously it's situational based, and if that's what's gonna be quickest and safest, do what you gotta do. What do you have to say to the people that send texts to break up?
2: Text to break up? No way. <laughs> no way.
0: Things have changed because now people are breaking up with each other over text. Like, things are getting yeah. bizarre. Yeah, I haven't been ghosted yet, so we've still got time. Have you ever done anything crazy? No, oh. no, I haven't. Um, just like a normal, a typical ghosting. But I feel like as a woman, it's it's you're within your rights to do so. What is your wildest breakup story that you can recall? Obviously, pre-marriage. But uh, give me give me the lowdown on your yeah. breakup history.
1: So so far, I'm fortunate. I'm going to be 20 years married in August. Uh, so uh, so far as I know, we'll make it there. First on Brady. I think the way that a lot of guys are responding to this, honestly, to the extent, if that's true, if Giselle cheated on Tom Brady, what is it possible to do to make a woman happy? Uh, You've got one of the best looking hundred millionaire plus pro athletes of all time, uh, seems to be a relatively normal guy, right? Like doesn't seem like he's screaming and yelling probably all the time, or incredibly difficult to be in a relationship. And then also, I think it's insulting. I've been making this argument for years, Charlie. I think who the cheating is with is also layers in a a jujitsu instructor to me is worse, like if she had left Tom Brady for Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or someone more successful in the landscape of the world, at least you might be looking around saying, "Okay, she was with an alpha dude and she found a guy who was more of an alpha guy. I think that's easier than just like her banging the pool boy or the jujitsu instructor, which seems to have occurred here. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm fortunate. I don't really have that many awful breakups. Um, I think probably the, the one that uh, that stands out there a little bit is I broke up on New Year's Eve. Uh, one year because back in college, my girlfriend was unhappy that I had gone. It was, you know, we were in different places. New Year's Eve is obviously uh, uh, during college, uh, uh, some winter break. And I went to hang out with my buddies on New Year's Eve instead of with her. And she was really upset about it. And we broke up on the telephone um, uh, on New Year's Eve uh, because she was just letting me have it. This is before I even had. I guess I had a cell phone, but I had just gotten a cell phone or whatever. But I remember standing, I was in my buddy's uh, kitchen on uh, on his phone. Uh, and uh, if as I remember it, she had called the house where I was, uh, which wasn't uncommon wow. back in the day. And uh, yeah. and I remember breaking up on, on New Year's Eve, uh, which is uh, honestly, probably for a lot of people, I would say New Year's Eve may be the breakup number one day in America. People might think about Valentine's Day, but I don't think you tend to break up. I think New Year's Eve is sort of like a relationship um, accelerator because girls in particular, I think, build the idea of New Year's Eve into a really big event and a big opportunity to uh, to, to make some sort of statement about your relationship And then everybody drinks, and it's expensive, and it's often crowded. And girls in particular are in shoes probably that aren't that comfortable. And I just feel like New Year's Eve ends with more girls crying than any night in America on a per capita basis.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of women see New Year's as being like, a new slate, right? Like you don't want to go into the new year yes. with baggage. So if this isn't working, like let's cut it off here and I can start the new year off fresh. Uh, in in terms though, Clay, of what you said about leveling up, you know, going on and, and moving on with a more successful man. My only thing is that I have to imagine because of the reason that we all at least are aware of that they parted ways is because Tom just kept making football his main priority. She asked him to retire she for, for reasons being that she didn't want him to be injured. She wanted him to spend more time with the family. She wanted him to have a very successful future. He did retire, but then he went back. And I think at that point she was like, okay, you're not taking me seriously. So maybe there was like an emotional aspect of their relationship that was that was missing.
1: Oh I I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there's some sort of emotion with
0: her jiu-jitsu instructor which, I think, and she's got so much money on her own
1: I think in general men tend to be drawn physically uh, to women and I think women tend to be drawn emotionally to men in general there are exceptions obviously um but I think that's why you know if Tom Brady cheated it probably would have been, I don't know, with some super smart, uh, super hot, uh, random chick that he met. I don't think most men want multiple relationships going on. Like, God forbid. Uh, that just sounds awful to me, having to have multiple relationships. I think a lot of men hey, like hey, the idea of... I wish every um,
0: man thought that uh, way. I wish every man thought that way. I can think the ch- of a few men who love the having ch- multiple things go on at once.
1: Ugh. <laughs> uh. Multiple relationships sounds miserable to me. What's the, fa- the famous Charlie Sheen line? They asked him why he paid for sex. He's famous uh, back in the day in the Heidi Fleiss. And he said, uh, I don't pay them for sex. I pay them to leave, which is one of the oh. most unbelievable lines I've ever heard. I think most men would be in that camp as opposed to emotionally wanting multiple uh relationships of a legitimate nature to be taken taken care of at the same time.
0: Coincidentally, I just watched the Charlie Sheen Tiger Blood interview like two days ago on YouTube. Um just for, you know, the hell of it to throw it back to uh funny funnier times. And then B Yes. On the note of men not having multiple things going on at once. Do you know one time I was broken up with by a guy who, by the way, I had fallen head over heels for. I thought we had like this grand future right ahead of us. We had been looking at apartments, looking at apartments. And then suddenly I hear nothing from him, nothing. And I was so confused. I was like, what's going on? Why haven't I heard from him? So, I, you know, what's going on? What's going on? He's very short with me. Something's up. Not at all the same as it was. Finally, he just goes dark, and I'm like, "What the hell is happening?" So I finally, I'm I'm so embarrassed for myself, and I reach out. I'm like, "Can you just tell me what's going on?" And he goes, "I found someone that I can see a future with," and I was like, "Oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay, great."
1: I thought you were gonna um, say that he was married. Get
0: over. No, oh god. You know what? We should have a, a dating episode where I go through all of my story. There's there's too many of them. I could write an entire book. Some, um, I would. When say it, when a
1: guy goes dark like that, sure. that is what I think. Yeah, that he has some sort of uh, that he has some sort of secret life that he's trying to keep. But I would love to hear some of those stories. I think that would be great.
0: Yeah i I've had a I've had an incident where there was a secret life, but yeah, that's a story for another day. Uh, Clay, I'm going to let you go now because again, you're the busiest man. On the Outkick Network, that's for sure. One of the busiest men in general, I would say. You've got Clay and Buck. You've got Outkick. You've got all of your stuff all over Fox, and then you know you're just out supporting your professional MMA wife. I now know, which I'm.
1: She's a badass. Very
0: excited to hear about. (laughs) Want to know? Let's keep it going. Clay, as always, thank you so much.
1: Appreciate y'all. Keep up the good work. I'll see you guys. Now, Kick the Morning we will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned.
0: Okay, uh, one more thing we're going to get to before we let all of you go for the weekend. Tyrus's new episode of Maintaining with Tyrus is dropping. And his special guest, none other than the former host of QVC, current host of Dirty Jobs, and also you'll see him all over Fox Nation, Mike Rowe. And they talk about embracing your past. Take a look.
2: Here's what they don't tell you back in 1990. One day, somebody's going to come up with some technology that allows random people to take video of you and put it into the ether. And then other people are going to be able to watch that video. So years after I was fired from QVC for the third time and really never spoke of it out loud, I got this thing called YouTube. And I searched my name and somebody has posted yards and yards of video of me sitting there, either under the influence of two glasses of wine or so tired I can't keep my eyes open, trying to describe the profound appeal of the health team infrared pain reliever or the Amcor negative ion generator. My point is- The ion generator. Yeah, it it looks like a shoebox with an antenna. That charges the ions in the, in the air, air. yeah, and dramatically improves your life. It did three it easy did. payments, twenty nine yeah. ninety nine. Yep, you or you no? pay it all at once. Or you can you yeah. can pay all at once, yeah. but why would you with terms like these? How do you say? I was no? impulsive, you know, you were young, as young. But here's the point: when you see yourself on a screen doing a thing you can't remember doing, but can't deny having done the cognitive dissonance that goes off in your brain makes an audible sound and you go, wow. So that happened and there's no escaping it. And when you can't escape your past, Tyrus, in this day and age, the only sensible thing to do is embrace it.
0: Embrace your past, you can't escape it. And on that note, let's drop a little uh, oldie but goodie of the guy I just interviewed, Outkick founder Clay Travis. Let's take a look at his old photo, which is just a stunner. Look at that hair. Look at the brows, look at the, the shoulder leading in. I mean, wow, that is a photo if I ever saw one. Good looking guy right there. Would go on to make millions. We love him for it. Uh, and then there is someone else who's on the show. And obviously by use of deduction, I'm the only one left. Uh, there's this picture of me. Wow, uh, I look like a man, a small boy, small pioneer child, Uh Never worried that I was actually a boy. I was totally uh, comfortable with the fact that I was a girl. And guess what? Just had a god-awful school photo day. I did have retakes. Thank God. I will say my dad was the one who encouraged me, wear your hair up for the photo. You look so good with your hair up. No, the hell I did not. This is a horrible photo. We should take it off the screen right now before anyone has a chance to screenshot that and spread it all over the Internet, which if you did, it's fine. Embrace your past, right? Uh, Okay, everybody, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for being here all week long. Now, go enjoy your Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Make sure you're following me on social media at Charlie on TV. And make sure you watch UFC this weekend because yours truly reporting for Fight Night. I will see you on Monday.